0: Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. You know, last Sunday we spoke on uh, on 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and and made the The point that there is there is strength and weakness in life the paradox of the christian life that god's strength is perfected in our weakness and it always scares me to preach about things like that because it seems like every time i do god gives us an opportunity to 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 experience that in a personal way and and um on on tuesday cindy had been sick and not feeling well for um, well actually a few weeks before this but we found out that she had covid and and um, so that kind of threw us in a tailspin. We'd already received the diagnosis from Cheyenne's knee, and, and then we found out after the MRI that it was worse than what we could have imagined. And so we, uh, and again, it's like, wow, this, this, new, this new normal that we find ourselves in, we really have to ask ourselves the question, is, is God really sufficient? Because either he is or he isn't and we have to approach every moment of every day with the answer to that question either my sufficiency is found in Christ or it's found in the things of the world and you and I know you and I know that it's not found in the things of the world we understand that we understand that from a from a from a theological standpoint we can we can talk about that and we can quote scripture and and, but when it comes right down to it, when, the, when we really appropriate those promises, when we make them real in our life and our heart, it, it, it's another step. And, and, and God's sufficiency is there. I, I love those times in life where divine provision meets human condition, where, where the theological truth of the word of God that, that talks about the presence and the power of Christ slams into our daily experience. And there we recognize just how powerful Christ truly is. And so this morning I want to back up a little bit and I want to take us to a passage of Scripture in John 21 where we find that co- that collision of divine provision and human condition, where we see the practical outworking of what faith really does. You know, from the very time we're, we're, we're born, we begin to have this, this this life that's formed and as we gather um, consciousness and awareness of our environment, our surroundings around us, we begin to role play into things that we'd like to be. I remember as a young boy growing up in just outside of Washington, D.C., and and uh, my father working inside the White House and, and wasn't home a lot. I had a vivid imagination. I probably still do, but I, I, I really... I I watched enough Superman on TV to think that I wanted to be Superman when I grew up. And I thought, that's a pretty good person to be. You know, he always wins and never dies. And that would be a a good person to be. And so I talked my mom into making me a cape. It was nothing more than a a towel, clothes pinned around my neck. And I'd run around the yard. And and I would run as fast as I could and I would jump. And to be honest with you, I think I got a little bit of air. I, I would look back, and I'd see that cape kind of fluttering, and I was sure it was going straight back, just like Superman's did. And I'd thrust an arm forward and jump, and, and I know I was flying for just a bit. I, I was so convinced that I was going to be Superman that I decided we had a deck in our backyard that that cantilevered over a drop-off. And I stood up on the railing of that deck with my cape on, looking at about a 10-foot drop down below, and I took the plunge. <laughs> I, with everything I had, I launched myself off that with both hands forward. Thankfully, there was an old juniper tree down there, and I ended up in the middle of that thing. Broken-spirited, and I realized pretty soon that I wasn't going to turn out to be Superman. Fast forward a couple years later, we moved out here to Nebraska, bought a farm and ranch in Lincoln County, and, um, and uh, my whole world expanded. I decided there that in Nebraska I wanted to be Jacques Cousteau. I don't know, some of you younger people might not know who Jacques Cousteau is, but he's an old French guy, and, um, and, and he had a TV, The Undersea World of Jacques Cousteau, an, uh, an oceanographer, and he would swim against, with all the exotic species of the oceans around the world. And I thought that would be a good thing for me to be. The only problem is Nebraska is about as far as you can get from any body of water. Not to be dismayed, we had an irrigation ditch running through our place, and uh, the K&L ditch, and... And um, I had dug out an area during the dry season and, and made kind of a deep pool there. And I thought, this is going to be my ocean. And so I would dive in there and swim around and, and, uh, and, uh, in that old muddy irrigation ditch. And, um, but I had a problem. I couldn't stand under water very long. Well, I just went back to my idea of what Jacques Cousteau would do. And so I grabbed Mom's garden hose. I tied one into the tree and stuck the other end in my mouth. And I jumped into the k irrigation ditch. And um, do you know that spiders have a tendency to crawl in hoses when they're just laying there? <laughs> I jumped in the first in time I inhaled, I inhaled a spider and I spit out. It came through the bubbles and right up out of the k ditch. It was not a, not a good thing. But from the very, very moment we were born, we begin this idea of role-playing and fantasizing about who we are. We begin the process of, uh, of the theory of what sociologists call, and psychologists, of the theory of self-determination. That is, we think we have the the capacity, the, the ability, the skills to do something. We have the, the resources around us and relationships to fulfill that. And then we have this power of choosing our own destiny, kind of. And um, they say that we, we we grow up and we embrace those things and we start to to test the waters and do those things that we want to do. And then one day the reality hits us that none of that is actually true. Because obviously, no matter how much I wanted to think that I could be Superman and fly, I lacked the ability to do that, a major component. Or perhaps having the, the relationships necessary to be able to forge a, a career in underwater oceanography. And not to not to thwart any idea of of having choices in the in the path that we go in life, because we do. In fact, God oftentimes delights in joining us on the paths that we're going and where we find ourselves. He does. But to think that somehow it, it, everything is determined to us over how our life unfolds is is really a delusion. Because I could ask each of you, it, no matter how long you've lived, if if your life has, has been every choice that, or everything that has happened has been something that you've predetermined was going to happen when you were young. I'm not talking vocationally. Some of you were born into farming families. And when I get older, I'm going to be a farmer, and you are. But, but did all the things that have happened in your life, did you write those down too? And your life has played out like a script that, that you wrote and decided. It doesn't work that way. We don't have the, uh, the ability or the luxury of writing down everything that's going to happen in our life and having it work out, handing it to God here, I've got a great plan for my life. I've often told young people, I said, you know, the great thing to do is write your plans out in pencil and give God the eraser. Because oftentimes the things that we plan to do or think we want to do, there's interruptions. It could be an interruption from somebody else. It could be an interruption from a choice we make. It could be an interruption from a circumstance in life that we had no control over. It could be at one moment looking to God and saying, you know what, I sense you leading this way, and we take a step in that direction. All of a sudden, our whole life changes. In ministry, that's, that's happened a number of times to us, the call of God, and saying, God, why, why are you doing this? 2012. I remember sitting in, in, a, in my office in Morton, Illinois, Director of Mission Ministries, the Rural Home Missionary Association, a great ministry traveling the country, encouraging rural pastors, and coming alongside and doing church development, church consulting is great work. We traveled around and and uh, life was good. And, and in 2012, there was a little bit of a burden starting to come, you know, an uneasiness, and unrestfulness, and like, Lord, what's going on? I was out in Montana recruiting and um, at Montana Bible College in a and spoke at a little church up on the side of a mountain and. And a year later, a year later, the president of Montana Bible College says, listen, the seven elders have been praying about you for a year now. I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> Was it that bad? Uh, and um, they said, no, they're, they're really believing that God has called you to be a pastor. I said, no, I'm not. I'm happy where we're at. And we went on. A couple months later, God's continuing to burden. And I can tell you that, that at one point we said, okay, you know, we need to listen to God and we take a step in that direction. At the very same time, I had just interviewed for a position of academic dean at, um, at Capitol Seminary just outside of Washington, D.C. You know, and it's was like Washington, D.C. or Wilsow, Montana. You tell me, you know, we're going to Wilsow. I mean, who'd want to move there? But, but I mean, career-wise, it was, it was just a horrible choice to go pastor a little church on the side of a mountain. One choice. Listen to me. One choice. Looking to God will make every difference in your life. It's not a choice that we scripted in our lives. That wasn't in our playbook. But it was in God's playbook. And as we, as we go through life and we, and we look to God and we walk by faith, when we allow God to write our story, incredible things happen. Listen, you can write your story if you want. We have free choice. We can, we can plan and take steps and do things and, and we can go our own way, we can forge our way, we can kick doors down and, and open windows and do all those things. But I can tell you this, that God will bring holy interruptions in your life and your schedule and you already know that you could stand up here right now and tell story after story after story of, of a step that was taken that you thought was just treacherous and hard and how god used that for his incredible glory i think about the choice of moving to montana and and um we understand why we we move there you do too and um because there was a daughter that had to be born into the, from the womb of our hearts waiting there. Fast forward to 2018 on the side of a mountain in Montana and, and uh, thinking, you know, God is just continuing to stir again. I don't know what's happening. I mean, the church was healthy and growing and young people were having like dozens of babies. I mean, they, were, they were procreating in this church and um, we're having baby showers all the time. It was, it was great. And, and um, God is just stirring and moving. And it's like, when, uh, Henderson where? Henderson, Nebraska? Are you sure? Are you really sure? Yeah. And so we come here. And um, it's like, what's going on, Lord? What are you doing in our lives? What's, what, what's, what, what path are we leading? And um, in 2019, in the spring... We had an invitation to speak back at the the small town pastors conference in in uh, Morton, Illinois. And there's like three, four hundred pastors, five hundred pastors that come to this this, this three or four-day seminar and conference. And I got invited to come back and speak on orphan ministry. <laughs> and I thought, guess what, Cheyenne, you're speaking to? <laughs> and what nothing like having a first hand testimony um of what how god has worked in her life and so she shared and all the pastors were generous you know they were they were crying and praising god and the reviews came back and it was nice and we we did our thing there and we came back and and didn't seem to didn't seem to know anything just one choice i might have had to do a little arm twisting her 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 mom and i to get her to speak and um, one choice, last last week I got a phone call from a pastor in Michigan, he wants to come to Henderson, you'll probably meet him, his name's Joe Benedict, and Joe and his wife Britt were at the uh, conference that she spoke at. And um, he said, I've waited three years almost to call you, and I shouldn't have. He said, "You remember meeting me at the conference?" I'm like, "No, don't know you." Don't, he says, "My wife and I talked to you about, about you know after hearing the testimony of your daughter, we, we talked to you." And she said, um, I said "No, I don't remember you." Said, um, "We just uh, we've just adopted in the last two years. We've adopted three children because she spoke." Here's the point. Every choice that we make in life, you have no idea what the outcome is going to be. And we leave that in God's hands. We don't don't have control over the things that happen in our lives. But but what we do have is the ability to look to Christ and to take a step of faith and, and, and literally trust that future to Him. To craft it and use it the way He wants Imagine the Apostle Peter growing up on the on the shores of Galilee. A skilled fisherman out every night fishing all night and bringing the fish in and, and, and providing a service to the people uh, selling the fish and a service to those mending nets and building boats and, and all of this economic benefit that was there in his life and thankful to have a job, thankful to have the skills. He had charted his own course and then one day... There's Jesus on the shore with Peter. And his words to Peter were, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And when the divine presence met the human purpose that he had set for his life, something changed. There was a, there was a point that Peter had to say, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to go this way. It was still his choice. I'm going to stick with the known, the predictable, the thing that I'm skilled for, this theory of self-determination. I've got the skills, I've got the relationship, and I can make the choice, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a fisherman. Or I can be a follower of Christ. We already know what Peter did. He followed Christ. And for three and a half years, his life was and his world was turned upside down. The, the, the confusion... And the delusion and everything else going on, being a follower of Jesus, his world was turned upside down. And then Jesus went to the cross and he died. He resurrected and Peter saw him. But before Jesus died, Peter had denied him three times and there really had been no conversation recorded between between Jesus and Peter up until that point. Jesus is risen from the dead in John chapter 21. And Peter goes right back to the same thing he'd been doing his entire life. And they were given the instructions to wait, wait for me. And they gathered together and they waited on the shores of Galilee. And in John 21, Peter said to six other disciples, he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back and do the same thing that I've always done my whole life. I'm going to go back to what I'm good at. Because this following Jesus, you know what, that's hard. And it's been, I want to go back to something I know, something I'm good at. I'll just go do that. This is something I know how to do. We all have those sweet spots in life, don't we? You know, and I'm not very good at this, but I'm good at that. I'm good at that. I remember one time when we first sensed the call of God to go into pastoral ministry, I about I about died you don't you don't have a clue who i am i am i am a backwards awkward shy reserved person i it terrifies me to stand up in front of people and talk absolutely terrifies me almost every night before i speak i have d- horrible dreams you stand up there and I have nothing to say and of course you know that's not even true i just blah, blah 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 it all comes out but it's amazing how how God uses those things in our lives. And here Peter, is like, boy, I don't want to go up and speak. I'd rather do this. I could run away from this. Peter says, I'll just go fishing. And in John 21, verse 3, he says, I'm going fishing. And the six disciples said, we're going with you. And they went out immediately and got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Let me stop there for just a second. How much do you believe that you can accomplish when you chart your own course in life? Listen, John 21 is not a story about fishing. It's a story about life. God is not as concerned about how many fish you catch as how many people you catch and whether you're willing to follow him. This is about Peter's heart. This is about his choice. This is about his decision in life of whether he's going to take the bull by the horns and do it himself or he's going to humble himself and follow God's way. God had called him to be a follower of Christ. And now Peter had to make a decision. I'm just going to go back and do what I've always done. I'm good at it. The same boat. The same lake. The same nets. The same everything. So how's it going without Jesus? to go for Peter. And that night they caught nothing. The very most thing that we can expect to accomplish in life when we exclude Jesus from our program or plans is zero, absolutely zero. My will plus with the absence of Jesus equals nothing. I think the lesson is clear in scripture here. This is the place where, where, where God has called Where God has called Peter to follow him. There's no reference of of prayer. There's no reference of discussing. Wow, we have seen the risen Christ. We need to wait here and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Just as he said, we can be praising and singing and we can be sharing with one another, encouraging one another. No, let's go back and do the same thing we've always done. Because when you don't know what to do, you go back and you do the same thing you've always done. That's a danger in life, isn't it? That's a danger in our own lives especially for those that have come to Christ later in life when we kind of become disillusioned with the Christian life. This is too hard for me. I'm just going like, to put it on neutral for a little bit. I'll just coast a little bit. What happens, we usually go back in the same habits and patterns that have been instilled since we're young people. And that's why, parents, it is so crucial to raise our children up and to nurture and train them. And because that way we can instill the patterns and the habits that they will go back to when they're older. And I believe that's what Proverbs is talking about. Train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. I believe it's instilling the patterns and habits. And by the way, brain science agrees with scripture too. Those embedded behaviors that are so hard to to break if they're wrong are also easy to keep if they're right. And easy to go back to. Nothing wrong with having a work ethic of fishing or or whatever Peter was doing. But it was so easy for him to go back and think, you know what, I'll have control over my life now. I'll just do what I've always done. And he fished. And the results were nothing. Verse 4, But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not know it was Jesus. You and I do. They're in the water, a hundred yards out, three hundred feet, and they're, and they're cold, they're tired, they're wet, they're naked, and there's no fish. There's nothing. They're disillusioned. Their Savior's not around. And a voice from the shore come, calls out, Hey children, have you any food? How do you like advice when things aren't going well for you? Are you like, oh, thank you so much for speaking into my life. I, I appreciate nothing. No, it's like, I'm doing fine. I'm fine. I don't need any help, you know. And there's this kind of this terse response when he, Jesus says, Children, have you any food? No. No. We're, we're cold and tired and wet. We have nothing. We're hungry. You can almost, you can almost sense the leading in the voice of Jesus. So how's it going without me? <laughs> Isn't that what we think too? I'll just I'll just chart my course without Jesus. Just for a little bit. You hold on the side there. Stay on the shore, Jesus. We got this one. I'm doing what I'm good at. I'm plowing the field or fishing or or whatever I'm good at in life and I don't need you to ride along with me. I'm telling you what, you need Jesus in the tractor as much as Peter needed Jesus in the boat. Right? Absolutely. And we invite him into our presence into our daily activities. You know, Lord, I'm going out to to work in the fields and I, I need you with me I need your wisdom, your presence, your power your strength, your perspective I need to communicate with you, my heart needs repaired, my mind needs healed I need focus, I need all of that because we live in that perpetual state of weakness and dependency upon Lord, which our Lord which is really strength, and Peter said no nah, I'm just going to, I'll plow this row myself and then he says hey cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some, really Seriously, that's all I need is some local trying to tell me how to fish. I'm the expert here. <laughs> and there's this sense of like, you know, and I don't know what the, the scripture doesn't tell us why Peter responded. Maybe it was a throwback to another time when Jesus said, cast the nets down and, and, and launch into the deep and you'll, and you'll catch the fish. And they did and the net was breaking. And and um, maybe maybe Peter thought about that. I don't know. At, at one moment, he decided to listen after he heard the voice of Jesus and he obeyed, and he, and he followed through. Okay, boy, don't miss this. What happened? You know this story. You've read this a hundred times. The net was full. What's the difference? Same lake, same boat, same net, same night, same people, everything. First time without Jesus, second time with Jesus. There's only one thing different, one person different between these two scenarios of fishing. And that's Jesus. And I want you to answer the question in your own mind right now. Does Jesus make a difference? Does a life focused on Jesus and listening to Jesus and walking in fellowship with Jesus and following the Lord, does that make a difference in your life or not? That's what John 21 is about. It's not about fishing. It's about life. It's about faith. It's about being a follower of Christ. Jesus, they 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 launched the the or they cast the net and they, they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of a, multitude of fish. And uh, Jesus calls them to shore. Why don't you bring some of those fish and show me what you got, Peter? And so, Je- don't miss this. Peter goes up to where Jesus is. And Jesus has a fire going. What's on the fire already? fish did Jesus need those fish no no it was all about showing them who he was that to have fruit in our lives you need me you need Jesus and um, Peter was learning that lesson Peter needed to learn that lesson and he calls him there and he has fellowship with him I think this is a beautiful picture of what biblical fellowship is like with you sitting next to Jesus and Jesus giving you everything that you need, he provides it all. He provides the fish and the bread and his presence. And he says, here, just come and sit. Just sit. Don't do anything. Just sit. Talk with me. And they have a conversation. And it begins in verse 15. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, you, you probably know that in the Greek language, there's a number of words for love. And this is a case where two of those words are used interchangeably. Um, agape, which is a sacrificial kind of love. It's the highest, purest form of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's agape love. And there's another kind of love mentioned. It's phileo. It's a friendship. It's a brotherly love. It's where we get the word for Philadelphia. I've been there. It's not a city of brotherly love, trust me. But, but that's the word, what the word means, um, brotherly love. It's, a, it's an abiding friendship. It even has a little bit of commitment there. Um, but it's somewhat self-serving, too. Agape and phileo. And Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, verse 15... Do you have agape love for me more than these? I believe he's talking about the fish. He could be talking about his friends. I don't think Jesus would put a, that enmity between Peter and his friends. I think he's talking about the fish. Do you love me more than what I produce in your life? Do you love the fruit of what I, what I do in your life? Or do you love the one who prodi- provides a fruit? And that's a good question for us to answer. Is Jesus, is, is Jesus enough of the reason that we follow him? Or is it for what he gives us? Well, I want to keep following Jesus because he's blessed me. Look at all I have. No, Jesus is not interested in what you have. That's all his stuff anyway. He, we don't take any of it with us. It's his. But, but what Jesus does do is offer you him, himself. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I like you. I fully owe you. I have a fondness for you. Peter can't look Jesus in the eye and say, you know what, I am committed to you. I have a committed relationship to the living Savior who is resurrected and died and rose again for my sins. Peter says, you know what, I I, I like you. I do. Peter is being brutally honest. You know, and what's interesting here is that Jesus doesn't bring up any of Peter's failures at all on the night before he's crucified, does he? You know, Peter... Why did you, why did you, I can't believe you did that to me. You denied me not once, not twice, but three times. This would be like last week. This is probably a week after the resurrection. This is the third time that that Jesus had appeared to Peter and the disciples. And Jesus doesn't say any of that. But he calls them to serve him. He says, feed my lambs. He said to him the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you have agape love for me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I like you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to to him the third time, this is verse 17, Simon, son of Jonah, do you like me? Do you have phileo love for me? listen to peter's response. yea lord. yes lord. you know. you know everything. you know that i only like you. i'm not sold out. i'm not committed. i'm not a superstar christian. i'm just an ordinary man who bumbles everything and, and throws my life away half the time. and jesus looks at him and says, "that's exactly who i need. feed my sheep." Listen, Jesus was preparing Peter to be the point man literally 40 days from now. From the time Jesus rose from the dead or was crucified till the day of Pentecost is 50 days. This is probably 40 days to the day of Pentecost. In 40 days, Peter will stand up and give a sermon in Jerusalem and 3,000 people will get saved. And and a day after that, he stands up and another 2,000 get saved. 5,000 people in his first two messages. This fisherman that, 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 that couldn't do anything without Jesus. Who was a denier. What a beautiful picture of a loving Savior who says, I will use you in your weakness. Just be honest with me and I'll take you where you are. Peter says, I'm a three-time loser. Can anybody use me? Jesus says, "This is just the kind of person I need. That's the kind of person I want. In verse 18, he said, most assuredly, here it is, I say to you, this is Jesus, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. Isn't that true of all of us? When we're young, we have this idea, I'm going to gird myself and I'm going to go this direction in life, and God goes... Right turn. Stop. Left turn. Back up. or Whatever he does. And we have no idea. We hit the panic button. What are we going to do now? All my plans fail. And God says, that's exactly where I want you. Because there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Or we can say that man plans his life, but God directs his steps. All through scripture we see this happening. How to get that little whistle? All through scripture we see that happening. And, uh, and, and it's God who is changing the plans of man. God who is sovereignly directing our lives and our steps to bring glory to himself. And listen, we can fish on the lake all night long and continue catching nothing. Or we can turn around and we can look to the voice on the shore and say, You know what, I will, I will listen to you and I will obey you and I will follow you. I will be a follower of you because it's far more fruitful to take that step because we have no idea what would happen. Listen, Peter had a choice. Peter had a choice to cast that net on the right side of the boat or not. He didn't have to listen to the Lord, but he chose to. And look at the direction that his life took. You want to be an unproductive fisherman the rest of your life? Peter, go ahead. Go for it. I'll let you do that. I'll let you do that. And when you invite me onto the boat, I'll do something different. Or, or you can follow me. When you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wish. But Peter, when you're older, you're going to stretch out your arms, and someone's going to take you to a place that you do not want to go. And we understand from the text what he's talking about. Jesus says, Peter, one day you're going to die for me. You're going to die. Like wait a second, let me check my plans. That's not in my plan. No, it's in God's plan. And his plan's always better than our plan. And, and Peter would never scripted that life for himself. And we get the privilege of seeing the life that God scripted for him. And each of you have the privilege of, of seeing the life where you are right now that God has scripted for you. The things that he has done in your life, even the hardships I know you could testify today that says, you know what, my life hasn't turned out exactly the way I thought it would, but I can see the hand of God there. I can see God sovereignly directing my life for his glory. There's so many things in our own lives that we never would have scripted, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't change a one of them. Knowing what God has done through that. He spoke signifying, verse 19, by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, what did he say? Follow me. Now, of course, Peter, he still has that human element. He looks over at John and says, what about him? I love this. Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. You see, it isn't about what God is doing or not doing in the lives of other people that matters. It's what God is doing in your life. What God has done in your life is different than what he's doing in the lives of others. But God is doing the work in your life knowing all the things that have happened to you and, and, uh, and all the things that he wants to do in your life. And, and we can agree that God's plan is best or that somehow that all life is about a, a, a theory of self-determination where we somehow make choices based upon our own goodness and merits and qualities and somehow we win. that ends up trampling everyone else. We end up up building that on the backs of other people. I would much rather build a life on the footing, the solid footing that Jesus Christ gives than on the back of somebody else. Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. In preparing Peter to be the key person in this new thing called the church, Jesus began the call to him saying, Peter, come follow me. The very last words recorded in scripture that Jesus spoke personally to Peter were the same words. You follow me. Pretty good advice for life. Father, thank you that the story you script in our lives and for our lives is far more rich. And Father, we would lose so many blessings if we did not look to you and walk by faith and and not by sight. We would we would uh, lose the blessing and the peace. We would lose the, the promise of your presence. And Father, just thank you that you don't abandon us. Thank you that in our weakness we are strong, that you choose to use us and choose to guide us and lead us. Glorify yourself, we pray in your name. Amen.